All right, y'all, welcome to FM Mission, my podcast here, fmmission.com, for people on a mission in arts, entrepreneurship, or activism. And one of the things I try to do with the show is give you some real nuggets of goodness if you're on a mission in life, in anything. Like I said, arts, entrepreneurship, activism, I kind of see those three as kind of the holy trinity of community development. And so I have with me today Osteria owner, Osteria 32 owner, Dan Stackpool. You're originally from Michigan? Uh, originally from my mother. <laughs> this is I, I told you it's going to be a fun episode. I told Dan he's invited because I knew it was going to be a fun episode. I made it easy. Yeah, I'll give you some yeah. lobs. So, uh, Metro Detroit, born and raised. Yeah, so, I knew you were from Michigan. all over the world. Detroit is where the area? I didn't realize north, that. North of Detroit, poor community, Gross Point, St. Clair Shores. Yeah. Like where the Ford family lives on the water. Really? So, yeah. It's, people think Detroit is the armpit of the world. It's actually a phenomenal city. Probably one of my favorite places. I prefer it over New York, over Chicago. Absolutely love Detroit. Uh, in a nutshell. Real people. Real people, that Midwest feel? Yeah, they don't, they hustle. Yeah. They get stuff done. It's not a black-white thing there, even though everybody, the, the media just wants to play it that right. way. I had a bar, a nightclub in downtown Detroit. And, um, yeah, it's it's not what anything you expect. When I take people there, people visit, they go, I did not know. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's only a couple hours away. Yeah. Well, you know, and it's a boom town right now. It is right now. I was going to say, that's, I have seen it pop back up on the map because a lot of, uh, you know, kind of we talk about how you go in and develop areas and bring them back, right? Detroit, like you said, it's a boom town again. Kind of like Pittsburgh did. It makes Mass Ave look like a drop in the bucket. Yeah. It's phenomenal. Over a couple hundred new restaurants and bars in a year. You know, they're taking communities with burned out $5,000 houses for the taxes that are going for a quarter million now. You know, it, uh, and, and Detroit's got the, the infrastructure and the, the wealth to do that. One, of the, It's one of the largest footprint cities in the world, actually, because of the big three, the auto industry. Yeah. And then the steel industry before that, you know, sell U.S. steel and... Yeah, it's huge. It's modeled up to Paris. Had a large theater district in the world. So I'm I'm a huge advocate for Detroit, but I'm here in Muncie. So. Yeah, well, that's a great intro into Muncie. I, you know, people say this is little Chicago. I tell friends when they're out and they go, Hey, what's what's this Muncie like? I see it, you know, on your social media. I was like, Picture a little Detroit, basically right? the same right. kind of thing. It's just a much. This would be like a borough of Detroit, right, Muncie? Um, this is tiny by comparison to a borough. Even this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Muncie's a Detroit. Expansive. It's not up like New York. Didn't grow up. It went out. Yeah, because we had the space here in the Midwest. Right. Yeah. So that's a great intro. But you are here in Muncie now. If you're out there listening, um, his restaurant Osteria Thirty Two. I called it Osteria. I was actually telling uh, the person who cuts my hair, Kim, here in Muncie, at uh, Twisted Scissors yesterday. But we're getting ready to do this interview. She's ate at your restaurant a bunch of times. It was really yeah, excited. Yeah, my haircut there several times. Yeah, Kim Sherwood. And uh, she said. Um, I told her Osteria. She said, oh, I've always said it Osteria. I said, oh, yeah, me too. Believe me, I, I didn't know that. Dan corrected me one night, and I appreciate you doing it because, you know. Well, you wouldn't call her Maria. You call her Maria, right? Yeah. So Osteria. Same. Yeah, as soon as you said it, I was like, yeah, of course it's not Osteria. You know, that is definitely that kind of Midwest hillbillyism coming out. And I don't mind being, you ever heard the old saying that never uh, judge somebody that says something wrong, they read it? 100%. And I, and I said it the same way until I was uh, having a conversation with an Italian fellow. And he said, Osteria, and I was like, oh yeah, it's just like Spanish. A-E-I-O-U is I-E-E-O-U, it's just different vowels. You were in the military, right? For sure. I said, did you go overseas like that at all, get a travel? I did, I was in uh, Germany most of my time. I felt like you told me that one time. So again, that's kind of the intro, this is Dan Stackpool. We've got a lot of stuff we're gonna get into, some of your history, the things you've done. 
But what I brought, the like I've told you here, this is episode number four. All the people that come on here, for you, the listener, what I want you to take from it is a handful of real nuggets of goodness of what you can do today in your life or tomorrow or looking to the future if you really want to do something. Dan and I share a kind of love of action. I think that's fair to say, right? We believe in make an idea, right? Make a plan and get Diamonds to it. in the rough, seeing the possibility that most people say is insane. And I like a challenge. I always have to have a project. Yeah, I think I'm guilty of that too. And that's what I, um, I actually met Dan off Craigslist. It's a true story. Dan and I. It's a dating site, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, <laughs> he's quick. He caught me off guard there. But he, um, a bunch of people, come, a lot of people know of the acoustic room, the punk cowgirl. It's the same exact building we're talking about. And one of my favorites. The old Burger Chef. Right? The old but Burger Chef. Over 50 in this town. Yeah. That is what people always remember it as. Yeah. Yep. And it was a Hardee's at one time. Is, is the Burger Chef guy still carved still in the concrete? Still in the concrete. We left it. Yeah. Awesome. I'm glad you did. I did too, right? Because of that. So if you know the building, we're at 1501 Kilgore Avenue here in Muncie, Indiana. Kilgore, yeah. Yep. Um, so when Dan, uh, many people call off Craigslist, one of the things that stuck out to me was Dan was not from here and he really had a, a quick, I mean, he wasn't just talking about, hey, I had this idea I'd always like to start a souffle shop. I mean, he came and he said, this is what I do, and this is kind of an idea I have. Actually, Dan lives right out here in the country, um, outside of Muncie, so not far from Osteria. Yorktown York town out the country. Well, to preface what you're, yeah, where go you're ahead. going with this, um, you ran an ad. Yeah, I ran an ad in Craigslist for this building and another one because I had two of them all of a sudden. Turnkey bar for sale with license kind of thing. Yeah, and absolutely. That's, that's what piqued our interest and the dollar amount just made me go, how's that, how's that possible? Let's get together, let's talk. And we drove by it, um, Summer and I, Summer and my wife, she actually found the ad first, showed it to me and said, is it possible to find a bar for sale for $20,000, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I said, absolutely not. So <laughs> I would agree. <laughs> so let's go look at it. So we went and we sat there and we said, okay, this is a diamond in the rough, but it has a license. It's, it's, it had all the things going for it that an experienced investor would be looking for. It's true. Okay, let me follow up to and this is why I said why I invited him. This is gonna, this is this is how a deal is put together, literally, right? Dan and I didn't know yeah. each other and it's scary. I mean you're out there like you're looking on any of these things, you wonder if you're getting scammed. I've almost been scammed and I feel like I'm good at seeing them. But I've I've been so close to almost clicking that pay now, right? And when Dan came, we, we had some good talks about it and then he said, you know, this seems too good to be true. And he said, I need these five things. And you said it had all the things investors were looking for, and he's very right. Is and I knew these five things were exactly what I had that had value. We had a beer and wine license, as you yep. said. We had an occupancy permit. We had an operating business. Yeah, it was open. That's a big thing. Uh, most people say, look at a business. It may have all the bells and whistles. It may look brand new and built out to a million dollar spec, and right. And, but if it's closed for over six months, guess what? The county, if they want to, can say start over. Yeah. You know, people don't realize it's a lot of little things you learn through experience. And this is one of the things that so I try to open and operate no matter what condition it is, has real value. Well, trust me, that was what right I understood. If I could get these five things and open, right. and that's what we do with with all of the and people parking lot. You know, it's you know all those little yeah. issues. And so, right as you know, being here in Muncie, one of the things that I try to encourage investment here for is you could see that you could buy and own a building cheaper than your leasing buildings, right? For other companies you currently. Oh, sure. Yeah, if you figure in the math, if you 
plan on being there for more than three years, of course. Yeah, and, and so this is that there is a lot. It's a very dynamic idea, right? It's not just simply one thing. And because of your experience and understanding of investment, right? You go, you know, this isn't just this bar restaurant. There's also the real estate. Right. And so that's one of the, again, what we're going to talk about today is just kind of how we started this conversation. We did have those five things, right? right. And, and I had them in there. Basically, I bought your beer and wine license for the small amount and the ability to use the space. Yeah. And you took over a land contract. So yeah. it, it's much more, but it's, uh, but ultimately we'll own the property. Yeah. And he's exactly right there. And, and I saw that as the value. So did you, right? right. Which made the transaction possible. I couldn't do one without the other. It wasn't worth it. I didn't want to pay rent. Yeah, and, and the beer wine license, like you said, that which is what you bought, right? Exactly. And that's where the value is that you could take anywhere, right? And we both understood that, and this is and what makes had, a deal. And everything in it, and then, of course, we close up for six months, and uh, on just under six months to beat that yeah. legal curve of uh, getting open, you know, and uh, gutted it and rebuilt it. And anybody that's been there before has never been in it now will walk around the outside and say, yeah, it's the old acoustic room. And then they go inside and they say, where am I? They're transported to Italy. Yeah. So let's talk about that real quick. What is Osteria 32? So if some, you know, sure. cause, I'm sure you could ask, I do, and I say, I, I yeah, don't really know, Osteria? you'd have to ask Dan. That's a fair question. Uh, most people have heard the term of the bistro. Mm-hmm. So bistro in France is a generic name for a restaurant that doesn't have linen on the tables. So that's the difference between a fine dining or casual would be a bistro for gotcha. a restaurant. Um, but we see bistro used everywhere, right? My other restaurant's called a bistro. And, uh, in Italy, you have two basic types of restaurants. One's a trattoria or trattoria, you know, trattoria, depending right. on how, where you're at in the Midwest. Right. And then Osteria, <laughs> like Osteria. Osteria. And most people have heard of trattoria or a pizzeria, pizza, you know, mm-hmm. and an Osteria. So if you if you look at Google, uh, Google on Google Maps and pull up anywhere in Italy, any major city, and just type in the word Osteria, you're going to get a thousand of them. It's a generic name for a restaurant. It's just an Italian term for a restaurant. So Osteria just sounds fancy, yeah. but ultimately we use the authentic, regular term for casual, upscale restaurant with great wine. So Osteria's in Italy are known for wine, more of an adult environment, casual, not stuffy, yeah. not table service that's too refined. You know? Yeah, yeah. It is so, casual, but so it that's is also what we, do. we are one hundred percent authentic Italian. Yeah, and we keep it true to form. We buy as much product from Italy as possible. Um, recipes we don't get outside of the box and get really creative we find wonderful uh, what I call unbelievable quality based restaurant ingredients that we can use to make a dish that is so perfect to what they do in Italy identical yeah we try to recreate that so we travel back to Fourth Italy at least once a year try to do two or three times so. just to stay up on the culture just because <laughs> if, as fantastic. if you need an excuse for it. Yeah, you don't need an excuse for it. Anywhere. Yeah. It's got its tough spots, you know, but like anything. But. but Do you have any particular reason for that other than you love the, the culture, the cuisine, the or, and, and I'm doing this for the listener, is sure. how, how do you, right, you, you see, hey, I'm on Craigslist and this seems too good to be true for, but if it's possible, you know what we could do with it. And how do you go from there to... Again, right, you came to me, we worked out the deal, and we both, right, it was pretty easy because I was offering a fair value for what it was, and you said, right. and so that part was fairly easy, right? It's like a real estate transaction. Yeah, so we knew by taking over the land contract, we couldn't lose the investment because of the property in the long term. 
Right, property which is policy. why I did it. Right, the same right, exact exactly. reason I started. And the beer and wine license is available. So even if we could, move, if we had to move the license to go somewhere and do something else, it's fine. Or sublease the building if you choose not to build it out or do something else. Right, we got it. So we really couldn't lose, and we were in a position financially to make that that leap. Right, so we had the other restaurant running at the time, which we still have running. Um, at the end of the day. I'd rather have 10% of something than 100% of nothing. That's Ray Kroc, right? Yep. So it's not about, for me, it's not about that one thing. I'm constantly working on the next project, the next project. So if in my travels or in my observations, I see something that could potentially get me further down the road in my goals, that's what I do. Yeah. And if I see something over here that distracts me from that, no matter how much I desire it, Maybe veer a little, start, I gotta stay on track. That's the key to success. Stay focused, stay on track, and every day do something to improve your knowledge towards that. So if you're not learning, might as well yeah. hold up, go work for someone else. So, so for you, Osteria, what do you do specifically to do what you just said right there? What's something you do when, you, so you, like you said, you, you found this deal, this diamond in the rough, and you've got it going. What's something you do, like you just said, to make it? Because I have heard people from Muncie know this, right? Dan is uh, has one of the top-notch restaurants in Muncie. That that statement is very fair. Um, it has nothing to do with the deal. Right. How do you make that? Just what you said, right? Because if you less rest on your laurels at any point, you know the competition would love, right? That's part of the toughness sure. of the restaurant business. Well, so that's a great question. <laughs> before we open our other restaurant over in Pendleton. Um, Madison's, you know, my wife, before we were, we were dating before we got together here, and I was in Michigan coming back and forth before I moved to Indiana, and I had been to every single restaurant around. Um, we were in a position where we could just travel around, we were dating, and I'd be down here for a week, and, and being a food guy and a restaurant guy, we'd sample every right. restaurant possible, whether it's a dive bar to um, the finest restaurants in town or around Indy or anywhere else. And a lot of out-of-town travel as well. Chicago, Cincinnati. Right. Which is great. You have two, three-hour runs here. This is so central. It's so easy. Um, so here we are. And I moved in. I moved to Indiana. committed to being here. And after the first couple months of remodeling Summer's house and doing all kinds of projects because I can't sit still and I'm kind of <laughs> semi-retired, now, to preface that, I had 15 restaurants at one point that I sold. We're going to get into that damn good pizza, right? The franchise? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so we were tearing her house apart, and she grew up in a house that was always under construction because that's what her dad did. Right. So she's like, man, I hate this. You need to go find a job. And I was like, yeah, I don't do the job thing very well. <laughs> I don't work well for other people. Um, I love that, by so the way. I don't either. I need to, uh, if I'm going to do something to get out of the house, I need a project. So I said, you know, what I do are restaurants. That's what I do. So if you want me to do that and go down that road, I'm, I'm willing to do that, but just be aware it's a lifestyle. Um, it's not like you buy a franchise and it makes you money. You buy a restaurant and it just makes money. You hire a manager and you hire a chef. You have to know how to do everybody's job better than they can or they'll never respect you. Right. So, and and I've seen Dan in the kitchen. The first day I went to meet Dan, that is, he was in the kitchen, I'm, you know, to give Dan credit. Good. I'm at during this whole pandemic thing. I'm the only one cooking in Madison's the last few weeks. It's just me in the kitchen. Yeah. So that's what I do. I'm not afraid to get dirty. This is part of your philosophy. What you we've shared this right. And you and I, right. you know, I gave you credit first day. I say I it doesn't go unnoticed. You're in the back of house, right? And hands on to everything. Yeah. 
Well, how, how did you get that? I did all the remodeling myself. Did you? I put the tile on the wall and everything. Yeah. And uh, again, if you're a friend of mine that had hung out there, we, you know, we got drunk many nights in the punk cowgirl and the acoustic room. I used to play in there. It was Fire Lake Lounge. It was a dive bar. I mean, right, a dive bar. When you took over, it was a dive bar with potential, like you said. And, right. Um, room right on the table, meat on the bone. That's why when you're doing these, right, you got to leave them. Pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. That's fact. But like I said, Dan, is, uh, when he's talking about going in there, if you go in there now, you are transported to another place. I, lo- you know, I love to take people there and say, hey, you know, this was at one time one of my dive bars because it's so neat now they, you know, they can't believe it. Right. Well, so, I appreciate that. Yeah, well, you know, I wouldn't bullshit diff- you for most it. Most people have difficulty having this conversation because there's a pride issue or things are changed. It's not what they had, you know. It's, yeah. Uh, that you can do that is uh, kudos to you. Again, well, and as I've told many people, I said, you know, if Dan is successful, it's a testament to my philosophy of what works here. Right? And I told you all it would work. Right? I knew it would work well, because, like you, I'd run the numbers. The right? Somebody's got to be the first one to put their toe in the water, so to speak. Everybody told me it's the south side of Muncie. Don't go over there. It's, uh, <laughs> and I've heard this exactly. Terrible neighborhood. They'll never survive. You heard all that. Yep. And but my experience is I'm not trying to get everybody and their brother in there back to you, your point what do I do there yeah. that's unique and how do I can deal with all the competition this is what I was getting at is that we had to make a decision when I first looked at doing a restaurant in Indiana I was scared because why but it- because the quality is garbage everywhere what people think is fine dining no offense to everybody that's out there that's yeah. listening that thinks they have a fine dining restaurant in Indiana it's seven to ten years behind the, the food fashion curve behind Chicago, uh, New York, L.A., Miami. Charleston, where Paris, I live. Ever, ever, yeah. Charleston, huge up and coming, yeah. right? It's one of the reasons I do what I do here is I take those trends. You're right. It's seven to ten years behind. It's just a fact. But it's just a fact. And, and I lived in Europe, and the fashion was and music was three years ahead of what hit here. And I came back out of being out of the service, and music was just hitting. I'm like, we, we listened to that last year. It's weird, right? Yeah, so Indiana's kind of the same way. Uh, kind of like a little bit of a bubble here in the Midwest, mm-hmm. unless. But there are those people that do travel to go to Detroit, to yeah. go to Cincinnati, to go to Chicago, and those bubbles create opportunities. And they're like, "Well, I wish there was something like that here." Yeah. Um, so the question was, do I do what makes everybody happy that they're used to, and give them McGallard Avenue? Yeah. Which surprised me when you didn't go that route. I when I first every met right. Restaurant is just jamming all the time, no matter what's going on. And people are lined up and. Um, and this is not against makes, Texas Roadhouse, but this is an example exactly. of what you're talking about, right? Is and I know the owner very well personally. Yeah. I cater his Christmas party. Every yeah, time. I love you. Know, Mike Robinson's a buddy of mine. We we share you know stories about I'm him coming the up. Owner of the yeah, no, I, I'm saying Mike yeah. has right. told me stories of working in it and loving it. Right, that right. it was a good group of people to be part of. Oh, they're real people. They're fantastic. And yeah. I love you. And we actually dine there on a regular basis. Yeah, like I said, there's nothing against. We that. share the wealth. Yeah, you know, we don't. I don't like cooking for myself necessarily if I can avoid it. I cook all the time, so I'd rather eat out anyway. Uh, but that being said, do I do what people expect or do I do what makes me happy? So we were torn about what to do. And the, the first thought that came to mind because of the beer and wine license was what's missing here. That's the first thing I always look for is yeah. what is missing. Look at everything else and fill the void. That's and how you look at business if you're going to get involved in something? 100%. What is missing? Because why compete if you don't have to? Right. If there's 10 pizzerias... In, in the city, why open a pizzeria? Even yeah. if yours is better, that's tough because you're, you're competing, right? So we went to Europe, and I, I was thinking maybe we do a wine bar. That's top of small Spanish yeah. influence, not Latin American, not Mexican, but true Spain top of small appetizer, right. plate, small plates thing, and a great wine selection. Make it a wine bar, upscale, um, 
which is kind of what I expected. Casual, and that was our intention. Originally. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this and we took a trip in the fall and went to Italy, and we're all over Italy and had a phenomenal time. And we came back, and I'm sitting in front of my computer, and Summer sitting on the couch. And we just the day after we got back from Italy, and I said, you know what? And I have a lot of background in cooking Italian in Detroit with real high in Italian. Okay. Actually, um, to preface that, and I looked there and I said, let's do Italian. Straight up, 100% real Italian without apology. All we have to make, is, all we, all we have to make is the land contract payment on this thing. We own the beer wine lines. We're, we're building it out ourselves. We have no overhead, really, yeah. other than utilities. If it doesn't work, we can afford the, the yeah. contract as far as owning the payment, like buying the property. Yeah. That, so, well, that's how I survived. And people we'll have couldn't understand what I was doing. Right. I said, well, look, I always paid the land contract. It's That's not that hard. And maybe people will appreciate it. Yeah. Maybe there will be people that have been to Italy and tell people this is not American Italian. This is real Italian. And Italian is not uh, spaghetti and meatballs. It's it's so regional. You know, The difference between northern Italian, which is very Germanic, and heavy cream sauces that you think you're in Austria or Switzerland, and they share a lot of the same dishes, versus Sicily, for example, which is all... Seafood and spice and, and right. tomato and light and olive oil and tenesca, you know, yeah. all totally different night and day cuisines and everything in between. So we did it, and we had a little bit of everything from our travels: some capolacci zucca stuff, handmade ravioli with butternut squash and pumpkin with butter and sage. Such a simple thing, but high quality, simple ingredients, and it's all about the labor. So we. We're not the cheapest game in town anywhere, but compared to going to get the same type of food in Chicago or somewhere else, we're real value. Yeah, absolutely. Which is what you, I believe why, and this is one of the reasons I wanted to have Dan on, is because he is a guy, an early adopter, if you will, just as a term that everybody kind of that came to this area that I said would come around and, and showed that, just like you said, somebody's got to put their toe in the water, but... I knew that people would begin to see the deals, and they don't. And this is why here in Muncie, uh, we talked before the start of the show that California investors come and people complain, oh, these investors have never been here, they just buy. It's like, well, they're not doing it for no reason, right? right. They understand they're going to double their money, basically, or they wouldn't do it, right? They're not doing that for 10% return, yeah. right? I mean, just a fact. Right. And so when, when you came into the neighborhood and, and started doing this, this was, for me, uh, one of those moments of, I knew this would come together, you know, and, and you started doing, people told you it wouldn't work here. This is what I was getting to with this whole thing. And so what you're saying, you came here and you've done, you said, I'm going to do real Italian, which I said, it caught me off guard. You, Dan and I have uh, one of our conversations. We first got together. He said, if we both do what we say, this contract doesn't even really matter. Right. Right. And, and Dan and I obviously get along good and haven't because we've both done what we say. And, and um, so you're here. You, you've got all this together, right? And like you said, understanding opportunity, you've got basically a blank canvas and a wine, you know, license, right? Right. And like so you, and I've personally, physically done the labor to build out 15 restaurants before. Right, so this so is can, the experience that so can't be replaced. So I can do that. Yeah. I know what things cost. I know what it takes to get things done. I know about the headaches of dealing with governments and bureaucracy. Right. And, and, getting and we had all that, right? I mean, oh, it's like any deal. That's the little Chicago that people think oh. <laughs> All that corruption in downtown and the building department and all that stuff is real. Which is everywhere. Would you agree? No. No. No, some communities are um, very open to new business and don't make you jump through hoops. And if you're a positive influence, then, the, the, yeah, they're going to do everything they can to help you and help you with street grants. No, I would agree with that. 
And so that's out there. But there are those people with an older mindset, and especially in uh, small... You can say, we, we're here to have a conversation, you know, right? It, it is what it is. We don't get anywhere not telling the truth. That's part no of the podcast. What's going on, you know, what's happened in the last five years in this, this city, you know, with the, yeah. the corruption and the hands and pockets and stuff like that, or you can't get something done unless you know somebody. And that was happening for me as well, and I don't know how it happened, but I had a conversation with someone several people at my other restaurant in Pendleton and I was telling them how we couldn't get anybody to sign off to come inspect us and they kept putting us off and putting us off and the gentleman said well I'm the builder and I'm out of Muncie and I do a lot of big projects over there uh, let me make a phone call the next day everything got inspected and we were approved and we're open you know it, it is what it is right and that's it can be literally physically walking into several departments and asking to speak to people who do I give my money to who do I give my money to when can you come in did you find this strange in Muncie I heard about it, so I was prepared for it mentally. So I need to eventually get it done. But I'm saying for you, that, that was unique. That wasn't, you weren't used to doing business. I love uh, that. No, you know so I, mean? I, had the, I had a similar situation. I was looking at a property that was a done deal, handshake, getting ready to sign the paperwork, going to a closing, and um, got talked out of in downtown Detroit. Yeah. In an up and coming area close to, uh, right where I really wanted to be, central to, to which now is the booming area and uh, was forced out of it because of that similar situation. Well, I said, you, I, when my friends asked me, I said, Muncie can be like a little Detroit. Of course, nobody, I had to, to clarify, nobody said, hey, you're not getting something done unless you pay me off. That None of that ever happened. I just, I just wasn't kind of part of the club. I'm kind of an outsider and was, I was not put at the top of the list, so to speak. You know, business whereas, is hardcore. People physically said, well, I'm gonna leave the room and if I come back and there's a few hundred dollars laying there, you know, and it's not missed when I leave, you can probably get your permit. Yeah. I mean, they're straightforward. Yeah. Was, oh, yeah. It was... This is how... Well, this is one of the... Like I said, we got to tell you, is if you want to play ball, right? I'm an old hippie. I love to do good, but I'm not naive, right? It's right. hardcore, right? I and mean, would you... Oh, boy. Yeah, business is not for the pain of heart. Missions are not... That's why this is effing mission. Because if you're going to do some shit, you better be on a mission. Because you know, you're going to meet adversity called, in every turn. It's getting a deal done, and a deal takes a lot of strange turns and a lot of weird things. And, you know, our other restaurant in Pendleton, for right. example, the landlord would not lease us the space unless we agreed to give him a free meal. I remember talking about this when I first met you, because right? he, he wanted to say, look, now, none of this shit's going to fly with me. And I said, trust me, I don't want any free meals. You know. Though uh, so, I have had a few meals. I've, I've seen I've it heard it all, just about, you know. Yeah. I've said every kind of lease known to man and, and own properties, so. And we're in the property. We're actually in the process of getting other projects going. So. Well, tell me real quick about some of your other projects. Then I want to move on to a couple sure. things. But again, we're, we're talking 03 of 1501 West Kilgore Avenue here in Muncie, Indiana. Yeah, call it 03 32 because it's on Highway 32. Yeah, Kilgore. which is, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I the many different names we were going to do over the years. You know, the 32 is a big part of it. it this is right on Highway 32. You come out of Yorktown here into downtown Muncie. And it takes you all the way. West to northern Indiana, to northern Indianapolis. To it does. All little towns. Yeah, I love 32. Pretty, pretty cool highway to get it over is. to um, the Noblesville area and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's right up through that Anderson Noblesville. And like you said, you can take it all the way up to northwest Indiana. And I, I do love that road. I love Muncie. A lot of people love to hate on it, you know. But I love it because all the things you just said. It, it, when I came up, I, I started downtown, you know, just playing at open mics. I heard you could play guitar down there, so I went downtown Muncie. Sure. They didn't have, the, like you talk about Indiana being behind or different or whatever it is. You know, I couldn't go to Anderson or Marion. You know, I grew up in Fairmount, little country town around here. I couldn't go play guitar somewhere. 
I mean, I heard in downtown Muncie you could go play guitar on Wednesday nights. You know, and all the things that I experienced, you know, being told no by inspectors, being audited, right? All these things happened to me because I dared go get my toes in the water in Muncie and it kicked my ass, right. you know? And so I also want to help create this when I had Jared on from... Um, Guardian Brewer, and he talked about yeah, we carry Muncie. his beers at uh, most three thirty-two. I, I thought you did. Yeah, at least three all the time. Yeah, and I try to keep it local, keep the money in the family. Which is one of the things that um, I love about what you know. I knew when I first met Dan, I just knew that he had the hustle, like you talk about the and that new right that vision of where it's going, right? That it's not going to be the same as it was, but that's what makes opportunities like this so good. Well, I think that's why we get along. I'm a musician as well. Yeah. So uh, you're the creative side. I believe to create. Um, I couldn't see myself having a turnkey restaurant that walked in somebody else's operating and just take over their menu and, and do the same thing and have to do my own thing and rebuild it. And, you know, so I've always just built out my own thing, whether it's music. Yeah, I, the art of business. Music, and I'm not a, I don't to do covers. Yeah, no, we talked about this the first day I met Dan. It, uh, like I so said, we were sitting in what's now is 32. It was still quite the dive bar at the time. Yes. Um, so on... Uh, Coming to the neighborhood, right? everybody said this wouldn't work. You have uh, how long you been there now? Well, it's uh, two and a half years. Two and a half years. Yeah. And so either you make it in the first year, or you don't. Absolutely. So we are in the black. Um, called you or reached out to you about a month or so ago, asking what the payoff amount is, or trying yeah. to figure out if we just want to pay it off or not. Because, because it makes sense, right? Sense because we're putting money in other projects and stuff. So. Um, yeah, all is well. We're not going anywhere. No, I'm glad to have it. And I've told people that when they say, you know, you first get started, everybody right in months, you know, that'll never work. I said, but I don't know, man. I, and a lot of people closed during this pandemic. Big names, you know, stack pickle all over it. You know, 15 stores are closed. Is it? Yeah. Even Marcus is filing bankruptcy. A lot of people are going, you know, big box stores. Yeah, so. yeah this is separating the wheat from the chafe, if you will, you know, and it's not going to get better soon. So this podcast about helping people that have their own dreams and desires but trying to figure out how to take them to fruition yeah you better so, know how to do everybody's job and whatever that business is you can't be afraid to get dirty you can't be afraid if somebody walks out to be able to jump in and fill their shoes yeah or somebody doesn't somebody calls in sick those are all the things you don't think about it's like let's have i'd love to own a resort in the island somewhere that'd yeah. be great yeah until the toilet's back up right the yeah. plumbing stops you're not, you're not at a resort you're so at work but in the, the resort shit happens yeah, you know, somebody's got to be able to fix it. So you can either make the $500 phone call or you can know how to fix the $5 part. It's one of the things that I learned the hard way, you know, you coming up, that. right, is you can't do that unless you would for some reason be so cash, you know, rich that you're, but you're usually not so cash rich you don't know what to do with it because you right, pay retail for everything. This is part of... Yeah, I, I'm a, I like old things. I like antiques. I have an antique wood boat, you know, 45 Yeah. It's a beautiful boat. boat up in Michigan. Um, I was looking at old antique sailboat today up in Wisconsin. We might get in on. Uh, but I like to build things. If I had that money, and when I do have extra money, I invest things that I can't see that really aren't tangible. And I put some money in savings and markets and you know funds and stuff like that. But um, and when I, I always want to build something. I got to be hands on. Yeah. Otherwise, life's boring. I agree. That's why this is FMA. This is if you're on a mission. Right? There's plenty of podcasts about business. This is if you're on a mission and that's what drives you. And you, you have to. That's for me. That was music. That's the market. Right? That's where you come into my dive bar. And I'm sleeping literally in an old cooler I've converted because I'm on a mission. Right? I'm not. I'm not here to hope I get rich. I want to get rich and I need to get rich. 
Right. right. But I'm here because I'm on Yeah, mission. unfortunately, we can't just uh, flop in the woods anymore. Somebody owns it all. It's all taxable. So This is um, a fact. Right? You have to be able to... And, and I'm that guy. I want to go flop in the woods. Yeah, so me that, too. So that being said, how do you afford to do that So, and, and still have your integrity intact? Yeah. That's a great... Both, that's a two-part question, but one there... The I guy think, knows we could do a lot of illegal things to make more money. That's true. If it's simply about the money, right? That's, that's not enough. Character yeah. matters. And when, but you, um, before that, because we talked the illegal part, but you said that what you're talking about to me is buying your time, mm-hmm. right? You're talking about using business as a tool to buy back your time. And maybe this would be a great way, exactly. great way to kind of close out the interview as we... And I'll let you talk about your projects as we... But for you... Like you told, you said your wife, uh, Summer, and I met Summer, she's great too. Uh, it's been great getting to know you guys. And hearing this makes sense, right? That you guys lay these out and say, like, again, right? You have that communication, say, okay, if we're going to do it, this is what we're going to do because this is what I do. Yeah, it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. That's 100%. exactly what I was getting to. You, so you go to bed at night, not, or you, when you leave the restaurant or you leave your business, if you have your own business, yeah. it's not a job. You don't clock out. Oh. On your way home, you're working. Yeah. You're thinking about all the things we need, inventory, uh, maintenance issues, staffing issues, the event coming up, you know, what the next thing you got planned, the other projects, and then you're in the tub doing the same thing. Um, my iPad is my office. Yeah, my notes me and too. All that stuff. And you dream about it, you wake up with it, you wake up in the middle of the night and you write stuff down. You always have something to record, lists and um, ideas and improvements and whatever it is. So, I mean, I have... In my phone, I have a section of notes that go way back for years now of marketing ideas. Yeah. If you're out and about, so, you capture something. Say, oh, that's funny. You know, uh, yeah. it, like if you're in Italy, right? You see some, you exactly. make notes yourself. Constantly, it never ends. And the minute you slow down, and the minute you stop doing that, business slows down. Right. Everything slows down. So we talk. That's where the lifestyle comes, or the passion. Because and this, the class I took at the College of Charles, he, he talked about all this is important: the business plan, the model. Right? There's got to be mo- enough margin. Right. If not, right, you can do it all well, perfect with all passion, right? And you still lose money. Doc's taught me that. Love sure. alone is not enough. And I'm an old hippie, right? That wishes we could conquer the world with love. So to that point, anytime I go into a very busy restaurant, I start counting the people. Right. Not the not the patrons, but the staff. To get I'll, an idea I'll, of what I'll, costs I'll, to operate. I'll, I'll walk through and I'll, I'll walk through the kitchen, you know, if I don't get stopped. Oh, <laughs> he guys. will too. No. No. I'll say one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, two guys in the dish here. They got four guys on the line. Boom, da, one person over here. An expediter. Da, da, da. There's 17 people in this kitchen. And I'll come out and then we got four people standing at the hostess. They got the manager. They got the other manager. They got two people behind the bar. Da, da, da. And they got six servers on waiting for their next serve. And then they got six servers on that side. And they got 38 people in this that I can operate. And I start doing the basic math. Very, Based on the bare minimums, I'm going. Yeah, they have to be this busy. The minute they slow down ten percent less than this, they're out of business. Yeah, that's tough. So and I'd rather do quality versus quantity. I'd rather have two people sitting at a bar enjoying a bottle of wine that they pay top dollar for because it's something they can't get anywhere else. Yeah. Than twenty guys um, put, put one of those tab machines having dollar beers, you yeah. know, dollar drafts. Jared from Guardian without, Brewery without was the first. He said, you know, you can't be everything to everybody. Right. Right. This is what you're getting you at. Choose your battle. What you, are you going to be and stick to it? That's a huge thing, too. Go, go into that, because I want to get into uh, the pivot into pizza as just a, something that right you learned along sure. the way. But right, that you didn't veer anything off your, right, this was a very calculated move. That's what I want to get into. Sure. 
But um, so again, you decided, like just what you said, right? I would rather be this to two people than this to 20 people pulling pull tabs and, you know, which has been done in that building for 20 years. Part of, right. we didn't do that because I knew I couldn't manage the gambling, right? So I, you know, it was a rock venue. But again, that's, that's what I was competing for, what you just said. And that made it hard to differentiate. You know, and a lot of people didn't understand what I was doing with the punk cowgirl, but it's just like what you and I are talking about. You know, we had done the numbers, right? I had done the numbers. I didn't know what it took to make the nut, and I could do it if we didn't open the door, just like what you said. So that's why I could do my passion of a you know rock venue, period, right? Unapologetically, exactly. we're a rock venue. But for you, so you got this idea and this vision, and like I said, so you're sticking to it. But then also, right, you're learning as you go. Right, you never been to Muncie. You adapt pizza. You adapt things. Right. Explain to us kind of what, what that's yeah, like. So every project I've ever done, every restaurant, uh, has always been a culmination of your life's experiences up to that point. And that's mm -hmm. why people fail. And success is, everybody's heard it a hundred times, if you haven't, you need to hear it. <laughs> yeah. uh, success is measured by how you pick yourself up. It's not about failing, it's about failing a lot and yeah. learning from it. Absolutely. Um, it's only as we're sitting here, I've failed a lot. So this restaurant, Osteria 32 here in Muncie, is the culmination of all those things. So, um, how I design the layout of my kitchen, um, how we store the product, the ingredients we're using, the dishes, all that are based on prior experiences. It wasn't like I had this dream of, some, I went to Italy and said, I'm gonna open an Italian restaurant. Right. Today. No, well, explain I, this, this I, is great. I worked for Italians in Detroit. Yeah. I worked for real Italians that around Christmas time, they, the, the family would come in and make sausage in the basement. I'm not talking about a little place. We would do 3,500 covers. That's 35 individual plates a night on average. Dom Deloitte used <laughs> to hang out and come do dinner shows in the kitchen, soupy sales for anybody that's been around, the old comedian, all these mob ties, the real thing. Um, yeah. So, and I'll drop names, you know, Buffalinos, the Jackalones of the planet. That's who were there. So we knew all these people, and it was old school, like out of a Goodfellas movie very busy dinner shows, nightclub kind of environment, yeah. very high-end. If you were staff, you did not mingle out front. You were not allowed to dine in the restaurant without permission from the owner. You know, it was... Yeah, it's the real deal. And we did that with uh, four people on a line, put up 3,500 covers. So I see 20 people working in the kitchen. These people just don't have skill. So I came up in an environment where to cook was very competitive. If you want to work there, you had to be able to put it out. You know, do some serious hustling and slice and dice and then get stuff done. So I bring all that experience of 20 years right. in those kind of restaurants in the high-end environment, knowing that I, my goal originally <coughs> would be world-class chef. And For you some, personally? Yeah, personally, and to own a restaurant. And if whatever I was doing, if I couldn't learn wherever I was at, working at the time, and or have room to advance, knowing that I could take on more responsibility and learn through that, right, and learn. I left. Yeah. Experiential so, learning. So I would learn the entire menu on the line and then if I knew that I wasn't getting moved up to a sous chef position or something else I left I went my dad thought I was nuts he's like Man, you, you can't keep a job and I was like it's not about keeping a job I'm going to school right now because I never went to culinary school yeah so but at one point I apprenticed under a master chef Michael Tuma back in the day and uh, learned so much and I worked for him for, for cash less than minimum wage cash like 450 an hour because this, he is, just, this, this is not that is. long ago because he's, you're going to come in here and learn everything I teaching you're going to leave. I said no and I did. Yeah. He was absolutely right. I had a ton <laughs> of experience at that point and uh, 
but you know, just a couple little tricks that I learned about souffles made it worth being yeah. So, um, and you're talking so, about paying so dues. So the lesson along is, the way. yeah, hundred percent. Um, I didn't go to culinary school, and and mom and dad dropped a hundred grand on. Uh, Being from uh, Charleston, right there. You know, from the CIA, the Culinary Institute of America, out in Hyde Park, New York, or something, and then jump on a, a line somewhere with a, a nice chef in my chef yeah. coat with my name tattooed on, saying, "Look, I went to school with no experience." Yeah. So I've always respected the guys came up the hard way. Well, see, in the end, so, nobody really cares, do they? I mean, this is just the no, hard. Does the food come out? Yeah. Nobody cares where you went to school, what you did. Uh, if I had a dollar for all these culinary grads that couldn't cook the right paper bag, you know. And a lot of hardship because in the end, I think, and this is one of the if you're if a restaurant is in your dream, the margin is small, and I think it, I'm not uh, speaking out of turn when I say you, part of your idea is reinventing the business model to take some margin really into the consideration because right it's a hard hard business. Well, the food industry has changed so much. Now we're going on a lot of tangents and spiderwebs here, but it all it's all connected. Yeah. Um, Anybody's interested in the food market, we can talk about that all day long in the industry, how it works, but it's really changed in the last 20, 20, 30 years. It used to be you made everything, everything. You processed meat, you, you put really? chickens in, you broke them down. Because I was never in it before that. That, yeah. that is surprising to me to hear. And now it's about, you go to a food show, and it's how convenient and prepackaged and everything can be made already. So Osteria 32 and my other restaurant in Pendleton, uh, Madison's, we make everything from scratch. Is that the difference in, in taste people talk about? Oh, it's huge. So we make the pasta. Yeah. I told Dan that so three people individually I've heard say you have the best we restaurant make in town. We Italian sausage. We take whole, whole pork butts and break them down and cure them and grind them and to make the sausage. I mean, we make everything. Yeah. Um, with, the, with very few exceptions. Um, and anything that we do get that is uh, in a can or something came from Italy. Yeah. So, like, our pepperonata, there's these stewed peppers, for example, that red and yellow bell pepper with uh, onion. Well, it comes from Sicily and it's a phenomenal product. It's very expensive. So when you get it on a vegetarian dish with this, that, and some pepperonata, there's a reason for the price is what it is. Pepperonata. Um, because I cannot, I mean, I could make that here, but it's so consistent. It comes from the phenomenal supplier out there. We've been there. We've seen the source. We've seen really? The yeah. This is probably so, where you go to Italy. Exactly. What does it take to get something here from Italy, right? If somebody, because that's, I'd say that's a commitment to a quality that most people aren't comfortable with or can't. There are suppliers here, you know, there are some wholesalers, suppliers, yeah. and they'll bring it in if there's enough volume and demand, you know. So that's what it is, and so there's even, like so anything, there's there's serious niche suppliers of these yeah. things if you're willing to yeah, like pay. Anybody that's a baker that makes bread at home and wants to buy high-quality flour knows, you know, there's certain range you go and buy and they're much more expensive than buying gold metal flour yeah so uh, you get what you pay for but to your point of uh, how does pizza come into it and yeah and so this was in months that we opened up when we first opened here we had a fall-in already because of the other restaurant that had mm-hmm. been in business for almost four years this is madison's and built yeah. and um, so we didn't market at all that we were opening we didn't tell anybody we were opening other than our customers already from there and some friends we knew around. And we just turned the open sign on one right. day. And I like to do that on purpose. Uh, another lesson is slow openings. Yeah. Um, if you have all the money in the world, like a big chain restaurant, you you open with two weeks prior to practicing and playing all the food at the restaurant full of all your friends and neighbors and relatives. Right. This was called slow open, right? Well, that's what they call slow open. That's They call that a family opening and then they're open ready for business 
uh, slow for me is just turn the lights on and don't tell anybody you're in there. And maybe somebody stops in and you work out the bugs as you go along. You know, and then you slowly build a restaurant. And I call it bricks and a foundation. If you came yeah, in, you're my do. very first customer. Um, I'd find out what you like, tell you about what we do. I'd show you the kitchen, walk you through, show you exactly what makes us unique and different and why you should be eating with us versus someone else. You've done this with me. Yeah. Right? As if I, I was the different. Yeah. I still do that. I still do it. Anybody that comes into the restaurant, if I'm there and want to take a tour, you like the food, well, let me show you where we make it. Yeah. You know, I'm proud of that and how clean it is. So, uh, so we do that. It does And amazing. then you come out and you eat it and you're going to go, I, f- I have a sense of ownership here because I've been there. I've seen what he does. I've met the owner. Um, I met the chef. We've cooked together. We've eaten together. We shared a glass of wine together, whatever it is. And with that sense of ownership, you can go tell people about it. That's worth tenfold any advertising that could ever Basically, be. raving fans. Yeah, you're a brick in a foundation. Yeah. So if I was treated, you, you're saying that right, first so customer is a brick in your foundation. Every customer is, right? So right. the minute I treat any customer differently from that, they're not strong. Not that brick. The foundation starts yeah. to get weak. So the minute I'm an absentee owner, or I, my staff doesn't care or take the same pride that I do, yeah, that becomes an issue. And they do. I, I've ate there, you know, handful of chain times. Restaurants are chain restaurants, and nobody really knows the managers or owners. No, you know, your expectations are what they are. Your expectations are in a box, and very rare is it exceeded. Um, on that, as we uh, kind of bring it in here, what you talk about? So, I if you're looking. To invest in this isn't you know, just for the months here, but where we're at in investing, it, one competitive advantage I think is just what you, you can come in and exceed the expectation fairly easily with like quality. You, with quality folk. I mean, all the things you've talked there about is today. Right? Come I mean, out, yeah, there's a huge demand. When we open, I was going to get right. Huge say, demand. When we first opened, we did that soft opening. At the end of the first week, we were full. We couldn't keep up. We went to reservation only immediately. We couldn't take walk-ins. We were turning people away left and right. And uh, we ended up reorganizing and rebuilding the kitchen three times inside the first two months because of the demand. Yeah. Let, me say this, let me hear you say this one more time. So if you, you're, you're in a restaurant, you just started within the first two months. And I watched, you know, because I was intimately aware of this. And I well, kept I watching this. his progress with the construction, which is amazing, right? The kitchen, right. amazing. For what you've done with the size, that is also amazing, right? If somebody could see that and really study the efficiency that you guys do, right? I mean, it's, I mean, that's part of the reason that's, you can operate. That's like the, you. that's the 15 years experience prior to building kitchens, right? Of I would say so because in how many square feet. Yeah, I know his kitchen so, intimately, right? There, I mean, to produce what you do in there. Give me a, give me a piece of paper and give me the dimensions of something. I'll tell you what I can put in it. Yeah. Well, I got this little thing over here. I need to talk to you, but that's uh, another story. Uh, yeah. I have consulting feet. No problem. I understand. More Pellegrino. Uh, we can do that. Uh, so when we first opened, I always like to do something in new projects, right? I don't like doing the same thing over and over again. I wanted to do something more modern. I wanted something green. Um, it was more environmentally friendly. So I wanted to do all induction. So induction, if you're not familiar with it, are magnetic cooktops that, with a special pan, cooks instantly and you take the pan off and the top's not hot. Right, so it's safe. There's no open flame. As a result, you don't need a fire suppression. That's what those ovens are in your place. That's what I originally started with, with cooktops. Okay. Originally, because there's a hood in there, a yeah. small hood, but it's on the opposite side of the kitchen from where we first were going to do it. In induction, you don't have to have a hood. You don't have to have fire suppression. So I'm thinking, how can I do this on super cheap and make it modern and green all at the same time? And that was my plan. So I had all these induction burners. I brought extra power for it and all that down. And it, there's no substitute 
cooking with gas. So we couldn't keep up on the induction burners. We were, we were doing it, but man, it was tough. It was really tough to put out the volume. And, and gas is the difference. So I ended up flipping the whole kitchen the opposite direction and putting a huge uh, gas burner range in with eight burners on it versus the, the, uh, the row of seven uh, induction burners ahead. Yeah. And those induction burners are not cheap. They're sitting in storage right now. I use them for food shows and events and teaching. So just plug them in somewhere because yeah. they're safe. Um, it might be what I need here. Who knows? But nevertheless, um, and then the refrigeration, and then I needed, then it wasn't long after that, um, we finally opened up for carryout and, and walk-ins. We could keep up with it, and we opened up for lunch and expanded the hours a little bit. Um, and we got through the first few months, and it was a rock star. It's like a train had left the station. There's no slowing it down. And then come the holidays of the first season, everything's didn't come to a stop, but it slowed way down. Our sales started, boom, 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 boom. we're like six new restaurants that opened in Muncie, back to back. Yeah, it's, a, um, it's been and a... Our clientele are the kind of people that want to try every restaurant that comes out. So, and I don't list them, but several are actually gone. We're gone in the first six months and one to a year, and there's, now there's only just a couple of us left. And I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. So uh, we waved the storm, you know, and uh, all was well. We wrote it out. And, um, but I'm not one to sit on my hands, let business go away. I'm very competitive. So through the holidays, November, December, things slowed way down. We got through it, and it was it was fine. Um, but we weren't making the money that we were used to. The staff wasn't making the tips they were used to because it wasn't as busy yeah. as when we were cranking it out. Um, so we redesigned the menu to make it more approachable. Originally, the menu, like I said, without apology, was Italian. It was all in Italian with American description, English with English descriptions of uh, the dishes so they know people know what's in it at least. Um, and I know from experience, especially when it comes to wine, nobody wants to buy a bottle of wine that has everything in a foreign language they can't read and understand it. That's why Barefoot exists. That's why so many Absolutely. labels are a really simple, clean name because you can pronounce it, you're not embarrassed by it. You don't feel intimidated. So our menu was intimidating. We knew it, but we really didn't care in the beginning until things started to slow down because there was demand. Yeah. Well, the demand started to go away because of the competition. Um, you can't be afraid to change. You can't be afraid to throw your pride aside and make change. So even though I want to do it without apology, we kept the quality of everything we did. But we made the language of the menu much uh, less intimidating. Yeah, For example, that's a great example. Capolacci de Zucca, we changed it to squash-filled ravioli, which is what it is. Yeah. The dish is still the same. Nothing's changed. Yeah. But it's more approachable now. And then... We, I had a deal on some ovens. I'm always looking for gear and stuff to put in storage for the next restaurant. Right. And uh, Jay Ricker from Ricker's Gas Stations was selling all the gas stations, which now get goes. Um, was a regular customer and friend of mine at the other restaurant. Said, hey, Dan, I got all these ovens from this central cooking place we were doing, this commissary for all the, we were gonna put all the stuff in, but we ended up not doing it. You wanna buy some? Yeah, and pennies on the dollar for used equipment. I'm, I'm your guy. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm your go-to. So we bought some ovens, and and I can make old-school, real, awesome Chicago deep-dish pizza in these ovens. Now it's not real authentic Italian. So, but the numbers had dropped, and that is what is missing. Always, what's the niche, right? right. What is not here? Muncie does not have a real Chicago-style pizza or deep-dish pizza. Didn't have. Do now. They do now. Yeah. So we put it in. I've had that one. That's what I. That's what I have when I go. It's marketing and it's gone like hotcakes. It's yeah. been a no-brainer. Um, 
so we've added the convection oven so we can do all that. And use so those the are the ovens I was thinking when I right. see the ovens you have in there. Yeah. And those don't require a hood as well. They're, I didn't think that's what There's they're... no open flame and no open source, so yeah. And that's where you cook your pizzas in. Exactly. Uh, so then when the pandemic hit and I heard that we had to close the dining rooms at our other restaurant, we don't do pizza there, but we used to. We moved it over here. Since the pandemic hit and I heard on the news as I was driving from Muncie to Pendleton that they were going to close the dining rooms to, to public. I went back to my pizza day. So one, most people don't know, but I used to own 15 pizzerias. I said we were going to damn good pizza. Damn right? good pizza, yeah. Uh, ironically. Not damn, watch your language. <laughs> so on my way to the store, I'm calling my guy in the kitchen saying, hey, let me tell you how to make dough over the phone. You know, here's the bread recipe, da-da-da, we need to start making it. This is Pendleton. Yeah, we right. need to start rolling out dough balls, start getting a couple batches made. We're making pizza, we're changing everything immediately. And I'm talking to my wife on the phone saying, Let's start printing up a new menu. This is what it's going to be. Let's promote it. And I drove down to a wholesale supplier on the other side of Indy and filled up the car with cheese, pepperoni, and yeah. boxes and everything I possibly could to make pizza. And we've actually done quite well and survived all this on carry-out pizza. So it's going to stay on the menu. People love it. So. One of the things that you say with all this is, um, and, and what is really cool, and this is what I talk about for the listener, is... What you've shared here right, is, is the hardcore insight to what, you know, and you were very open and I loved it because you're talking about a pivot, is what I've heard it called from the College of Charleston uh, teacher, uh, Stuart Williams. And he, he talked about when you're putting these pitches together, there will likely come a pivot where it's not what you expect, but you realize when I run the numbers, there's no money here. But if I just pivot here, right, there's money or nothing. But you shared it, right? You're in there in the trenches and go, you know what? We need to make a, a pivot. And you weren't afraid to do it, right? I mean, you, because at some point you just have to pull the trigger and do it. Right. And that's one of the things that I appreciate because you didn't let your private, as you're telling the story but even. that's experience too. If I didn't have the skill to make pizza, I'd be go, what do we do now? What do we do now? What do we do now? Close the doors, da, da, da. We're or not, the experience we're to know to change. We're not taking loans. We're not taking all that stuff. You know, no, and you know we don't either. That's, and just, or the experience to change, right? To know it's okay to change. It's exactly. okay to change right now, like exactly. you said. And that's okay. And that's, that's, I think that's probably one of the biggest things. Maybe we can leave it with this. Is, And, again, you're talking about from yeah, we can talk for hours. a punk rock bar that I had, right, to amazing uh, Italian, authentic Italian restaurant now, Chicago Deep Dish Pizza. I mean, and the future I, I don't see is getting uh, smaller for you, right? I mean, you're, you're You know, I, at one point I had 15 restaurants at the same time. I developed uh, my own franchise system. was franchised and had the fastest growing pizza chain in U.S. history from its inception. So I had a few successes, sold all that after a really bad divorce, and I don't lie, um, she got nothing, I'm not bitter. <laughs> you know? So uh, life goes on, and life's about living, and the best revenge is living well. So I'm about quality of life, not necessarily the quantity, but I'm at a point now where I like to travel quite a bit, and uh, so I'm surrounding myself with the best people possible that, can, that want to work with me, that want to enrich and empower themselves. I had 15 restaurants before people, how do you do that? How can you run 50 places like when I have 15 great people that run it? You know, people that are invested. Yeah. That want to do it. That are excited about it. Uh, so, yeah, we have another opportunity. We're building out a pizzeria from scratch. It's like a damn good pizza back in the day. Um, we're probably going to call it Danny, something different. But it's going to be just small deep dish Chicago's one size and all kinds of gourmet toppings and fun yeah. stuff. And it's going to be on the south side of Indianapolis and up and coming neighborhood. It's kind of being gentrified. Uh, but I have a guy at some commercial real estate friend of mine that approached me 
by the space, loves our food, loves our pizza, comes to both restaurants and says, man, how can we do business together? He's a former Army medic like myself, got a lot in common, and uh, we know we're both real people. So, and then we're working on a French restaurant concept. Um, it's on paper. We thought we had a location, we lost the location, um, but that will be like a Michelin star, my last that's it. Restaurant. That's so. Is that your mission? That one? Yeah. So that's that's what this is all gearing towards. We want to have our own farm on site, um, uh, banquet and catering facility, but very high end for weddings and events, and a very small, intimate, haute cuisine French restaurant without apology. Yeah. You know, next level service. So one but of the reasons I wanted to have you on is you don't. Uh, you're not just kind of dreaming. Hey, I'd like to maybe have French restaurant. When you say unapologetically, what you just my dad's hanging out. It don't hurt it. This is a pot. Again, we hang out at the common market here. When I, Dan was talking about he answered this ad on Craigslist, this was my passion place, the place I wanted to keep. My partner had walked away from there. He talked about just change and pivot, right? The punk cowgirl was a pivot for me. I think I got a check coming, right? My last payout buying me out here and I'm going to do this. And all of a sudden I wake up one day and I, that's most certainly not what I have. I have two buildings and two restaurants to pay for. Yeah. This is actually down real fast. Yeah, it was. It was quite a, like, son of a gun. Am I here again? I didn't think I'd be. But luckily, like what you said, you know, having learned from my mistakes, I knew that worst case scenario, I could always shut the doors and just pay the payment. And just, you know, a couple gigs a week and I can do that. But that's where I found myself. That's what I had to do. I mean, it was tough. But we did it, right? Because I, just like what you were saying, I knew I don't have time to mess around. I had to make a decision and I had to act. And that's where the punk cowgirl and came from. And you parts, and you came up in that business. Right, right. So just like I did, I knew so what to do. I knew I what to do. I leave, like, the most powerful piece of advice to somebody that's thinking about yeah. getting in a project, starting their own project or a business or any type of venture, um, is get as much experience in that first before you put your own money in it. Now, Donald Trump, love him or hate him, uh, one of the first books I ever read. You know I hate him, right? But... One of the first it's books okay. I ever read it's as, okay if you as love a it, teenager right. that from start to finish that I couldn't put down was his book, The Art of the Deal, believe it or not. Yeah. And it, believe it or not, it's the only book I've never finished. I've read thousands of books, but go ahead. And uh, one of the things I took away from is make money with other people's money. So not necessarily get somebody to give you free money, but what I, the lesson I've given myself from, there, from that, what, how I interpret that is I'll go to work for somebody else and I'll watch them work their ass off and see them run their business and I'll be in their business and work with them side by side and I'll make money because I'm learning from their mistakes and their lessons. So I, if you want to be um, a restaurant manager, you go work in a restaurant for some, or if you want to own a restaurant, you be the dishwasher, go be a dishwasher for all, go be a server, be a hostess, be a busser, you know, whatever job you can possibly get, work in the kitchen and not for like a week each just to see if you like it. You can spend some time in it. You should really be involved. If you want to be in retail and open your own little dress shop or something, uh, you should probably go go work in a retail shop if you've never worked retail before to find out they call it retail jail for a reason. You're going to live there to see two people on some days. Yeah. You know, and have no business. So. And Dan, I couldn't agree with him more. He's absolutely right. Go out and get that and pay those dues. And if you can get paid to learn and pay those dues, yeah. your, your money ahead That's of school. Being, That's right. cool. That's better in school. What we have now are people that just want this. The sales pitch now is go to college and get a degree with no experience. Um, But back in the day, it wasn't that way. You had a lot of trade schools, right? Yeah. You you could go to a well, you could become a welder. If you want to be a pipe fitter or a plumber, you know, electrician, you were a journeyman, you got an apprentice, you went on the job, you learned. Next thing you know, you're making money. Uh, If you want to be an engineer in Detroit, you went to the tech center. 
Chrysler, Ford, or GM, and you went to their engineering program, the next thing you know, you're building designing cars. You didn't yeah. go to school for it. Yeah. You know? it's, it's big business. And, you know, obviously, I value education. I know you do, too. 100%. That being said, it, it's a money deal. and Yeah, I have a degree in music, and I don't make a dime from it. Yeah. Right, so there you go. I, I have no degree in anything. And, um, and, I, and I've learned to come, but just what you say, it's, you know, there, there's two, you know, in and out in business. And I went to school for one year and I dropped out because I wasn't very focused and all that, but that was a different time in my life. But, you know, what, it, what a lot of people spend on these college educations, like you talking about, you could buy a restaurant like O3 or this building we're sitting in. It's just a fact. Yeah, sorry. That's what I started realizing is I wanted assets. And the piece of paper, though, could be an asset to school. And again, I'm, I'm not, I actually believe in education. If I could go back with the mentality I have today, I would do it over right. I still consider it. I think about going back to get a medical degree. That's always been on my list. Mine would be law, but I agree because of that. Um, but, you know, with that, it, uh, again, uh, you, you have to make choices in life and really look to what's important, which is, I think is what you're getting to about getting that experience. Before you go out and commit to twenty, fifty, hundred thousand dollars $100,000, go get a little experience and see, because that's, you know, one of the things you get out there and realize is, man, this isn't the ladder I want to climb. Well, thank God for the Food Network, right? Because now you get all these people who want to go to culinary school and be chefs who have no experience, never worked in the kitchen, never been cut or burned. Yeah, and the kitchen's had, hell, right? Haven't had anybody throw anything at them. They've been cussed at them. In three different languages, right? To find out, this is not what I thought it was. This isn't TV where, where I get to make one fancy dish at a time. No, you got 30 tickets and people are mad and they want it. Yeah, it's now. a food factory, right? Yeah, it's not exactly. a, you're not hanging out where you're at. Yeah. So I, if I had a dollar for every parent or somebody comes to one of my cooking classes who gets all excited and says, oh, my kids love to cook and my son wants to be a chef or my daughter wants to be a chef and have her own restaurant someday. I'm like, how old are they? Well, she's 15. It's, it's what she's doing. She's doing the culinary program at school. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, yeah, well, maybe you should have them wash dishes for a summer for like no money, right? Yeah. <laughs> for, for $8 an hour or whatever. And, Absolutely. And then one there, of the best pieces. Have them go, uh, you know, if they can spend a year, uh, find the busiest kitchen possible and try to get on the line where it's a fry cook or, or yeah. saute or whatever. Go slice and dice to find out what it's really about. What, what I love here, which has been the, the reoccurring theme in all these, is there is no shortcut to nope. success, right? And nobody no, cares about your ideas. It really isn't. It's really hard work. Right? That's just it. And if you want something, you got to work for it. Yeah. The show is yeah, about luck, giving you some tools and advice. Happens, that's exceptional. Well, it doesn't matter. Right. The tool, but in the end... There's nothing Dan can tell you or I can tell you that's going to make up for the experience. In music, where I'm at today, it's taken me 18 years to get here. 18 brutal, brutal years of surviving hand-to-mouth in an old van, broke down on the side of the road often. And it's never ending. Dead. Right? It's never ending. But that experience... But you're, you're on your line, so if this line, that's the goal down there. And let me tell you, the goal is not the goal. The goal is working towards the Yeah, goal. the goal is growth. That's, that's the quality of life. Yeah. That's enjoying the joy, the, the, the joy of the ride. ride. Yeah, the it's ride the is destination it. means shit. It means nothing. Absolutely nothing. And I find yeah, this with doers. Open 20 restaurants and have everything going, da, 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 da. I've had my moments where I've opened some large restaurants and, and I've sat back and the place is full and it's cranking. I'm going, man, I made this. This is awesome. But it's like getting off the stage. Yeah. And then you're like, not fine. Yeah, now you're all alone. You gotta do it again. No, right? yeah, now you're all alone, yeah. right? There's not a crowd there cheering. Yeah, they get to do it again. You gotta do it, and it, it's the same thing you said. It's a light. If you it's don't addictive. love it, right? 
And it is addictive. Even the restaurant. We, I mean, everybody loves Anthony Bourdain. He made a book about the lifestyle. But the, the fun, the, like I tell everybody, goes on there, the romantic part of the lifestyle is for the books. Right? Get in the kitchen, get burnt. It's not romantic, is it? That's right. Ever since they're doing pizza again, I got all these little <laughs> burns in my arm from hitting that oven door all the time. New burn here, new burn there. Yeah. yeah that's so where we're going to end cups. it off, right there on that advice from the owner of Osteria <laughs> 32. Burns on his arms from the kitchen. You come, you come looking for a job for me. First thing I do is I shake your hand, and I check for the calluses to see if you use a knife, and I look to see how many burns and cuts you have, if you have experience. Yeah. Because it. it's going to show. It's you're a fact. A concrete worker, you're gonna know when you shake the guy's first hand. First thing I gonna feel like leather. If a right? person tells me you're a guitar player, all I need to do is look yeah, at your left hand. Because your if you don't have those, yeah. you don't play guitar enough to be a guitar player. I appreciate you having me on. I'm, I'm glad to have you on. I appreciate you being in the neighborhood. As you know, when Dan, like I said, Dan, I met off Craigslist. It, it just goes to show what Dan's saying is you have to put it together, package it, put it out there. It doesn't come looking for you. No. You know. And that's how we met, and two and a half years later, we're sitting here today. I'm still in my building. You're rocking over there, and thank you for believing in the neighborhood. That's why I had you on, and I knew people had a lot to learn from you, so thank you. Thank you for listening to FMission.com. Again, for people on a mission in arts, entrepreneurship, and activism, let's get out there and get after it, y'all. We are running out of time. Thanks for tuning in. How you doing, man?